Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It is so good to have each of you here, those who are watching us online. I get it, summer, there's vacations, but it's been really cool to see even uh, when people are on vacation, they tune in and join in online. Uh, We are live on Facebook, try to every Sunday. Uh, So join us if you have to miss a Sunday. But if you're in town, join us here. All right, it is so good to have each of you there. Uh, Those who served with us, you high schoolers, you're heading back today, right? Yeah, have a good, safe trip home, all right? But no one fall asleep today, okay? Uh, you, you, can, you can sleep in the car. Um, but I, no, I am so excited. Those who are new, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. And uh, we say, I say that every time that we lead it together because we lead it like we do our home. Uh, I, our home would run very poorly if I did not ask Kate how to do certain things, right? Like we all realize that. Like our home would run poorly if I did not listen to her voice as she... Uh, uh, tends and nurtures our children. And so uh, we, I'm so thankful to lead with her, though you will most likely see me in the front more. She, she's like our little sailboat in the back, all right? Uh, she keeps us going the right direction. But this morning, uh, as we were diving into what, what, what do we teach in the summer, we just kept coming back to this, uh, the beauty of the Psalms. And so this morning, we are diving into the book of Psalms, uh, and I'm, I'm actually excited because we're doing it in a little bit different way than I've ever done before. Uh, I've been a, uh, on staff at a church for over a decade now, and I've taught through the Psalms many times. But I'm excited because uh, this time we're sort of looking at it through the lens of the life of David. So maybe you've heard Psalms preached on. Well, what I'm really excited is we're taking the life of David, who wrote many of the Psalms, and saying as he went through his life, uh, what are the points at which he wrote these? Why did he write them? Why did he sing them? Because honestly, uh, David went through a lot of crap, if I can say that on stage. He went through a lot of uh, turmoil, pain, uh, frustration. Uh, He went through a lot of heartache. He went through a lot of victories. And at every step, he adds a song in, a psalm. And I just, um, in our world, even this week, I think we need to sing more. I think we need to sing more. Uh, In our world this week, things going on, I think we need to sing more. And so David does this beautiful job at whatever is happening, he offers himself to the Lord. And so we're going to be doing that the rest of the summer. Whatever's happening, we're going to be offering our voice, our words, our praise to the Lord. And I'm, I'm really excited to dive into that with you. Uh, so you, if those of you who love the Bible and getting into it, we're getting into it uh, every week. Uh, both First and Second Samuel, we'll be going back and forth teaming that up with the Psalms. So uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and get it ready. All right, we're diving into 1 Samuel chapter 16. And then later, we'll get into Psalm 19. And you'll see the beautiful way these are connected. And I'm I'm excited uh, because David, the author of these, didn't just sit down one day and say, I'm going to write a whole lot of songs. I'm just going to, I'm just going to kill this piece of paper with some words. And said every activity, everything that happened to him, there was a song attached to it. 
And I'm really excited. So we're going to dive through some chronological order uh, throughout the rest of the summer of what happened in David's life. And some of the most beautiful psalms you didn't know were connected to those parts of his life. And so I'm really excited to do that. I'm going to open us up in prayer, though, as we get into this. And then we will read 1 Samuel 16. Father God, you are in this place. So I just already pray that we can be attentive. There's a lot of words that will be on the screen But God, your word is living and active. And so God, I pray that though there are words on the screen, it will be heard in our ears and through to our hearts. That you will move. I believe fully that your word does not return void. And so there is nothing void going to happen in this place because your word is being spoken. So may the meditations of my heart, may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, Jesus. My rock, my redeemer. In your name I pray, amen. So 1 Samuel 16, it starts off, and the Lord comes to Samuel, who is a prophet, all right? And he says, hey, Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? For I have rejected him. If you know anything about this time, Saul is the first king of Israel. This guy is tall. Like, we got some tall guys in our church. Uh, Scripture says that Saul was a head taller than anyone which literally means take the tallest person, add another head onto that, and that's Saul. He was a tall guy, and he says, I have rejected Saul from being king over the Israel, Israelites. So fill your horn with oil and set out, and I will, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And so we're going to pause. I'm going to be prefacing a lot of this story. So Samuel does what he's supposed to do, goes out to Jesse, fearful, quietly, because if Saul gets word, I mean, Saul's a head taller than anyone, so he can kill him. So Jesse gets word that, that this guy's coming, and so he, he brings him his boys, and it says one by one they came, and it says when they came to him, Samuel looked on Eliab, one of the older brothers, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed, if you can go to that, sorry, uh, he looked at Eliab and, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, hey, don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, right? He's transitioning Saul tall, so the next king must be tall. Don't look at the height of his stature because I've rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And then one by one, if you get this story, if you keep reading one by one, Samuel sees every one of the boys and the Lord says no. And so he asks, do you have another boy? Do you have another son? And so he was like, yeah, I do, but he's tending the sheep. And so this is what happens. He says, bring me the son. And so Jesse, it says, he, sent, he was sent and brought him in, the son, David. It says, now he was ready. That's a funny word. Had beautiful eyes and was handsome. It says, the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. It says, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And it says, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel then sent out and went to Ramah. And you know, like growing up, the little cartoons that say, meanwhile, you know, things like that. The same thing is happening. So the spirit of the Lord comes on to David, but the story continues in chapter 16. He carries his life as being a shepherd, but it says now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. 
And an evil spirit from the Lord began tormenting him. And Saul's servant said to him, hey, see now, like, master, an evil spirit from the Lord is tormenting you. So let our Lord command us, your servants who attend you, to look for someone who is skillful in playing the lyre. It's, a, it's like a harp. And when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, this guy will play it and you will feel better. And so Saul says to his servant, like, provide me that person. And the story continues. It says, one of the young men answered, hey, I have actually seen a son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, who is skillful actually in playing. He's a man of valor, a warrior. He's prudent in speech, and he's a man of good presence. He's handsome, and the Lord is with him. Verse 19 says, so Saul sent messenger to Jesse and said, send me your son, And so Jesse, they came and they brought, and the story continues, when David came to Saul and entered his service, Saul loved him greatly because he became his armor bearer. But it says, Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David remain in my service. I want him in my service for he's found favor in my sight. And whenever the evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul, David took out his lyre and played it with his hand. And Saul would be relieved and feel better. And the evil spirit would depart from him. Weird story. That's all the story of David we're reading today. What is going on is a little bit crazy. But what we don't realize is uh, scholars, historians, actually think that Psalm 19 was one of the earliest psalms of David that he probably wrote while he was, after he was anointed and went back out to the sheep. Or while he, he wrote, while he was brought into Saul's presence to now play some music for a demon-possessed man. Like, that's just crazy. Like, can we all realize that that's just wonky? Like, uh, there's a lot going on. David is anointed as king, yet brought into someone else's palace who has his throne and is asked to be an armor bearer, asked to, to help him out. And it's just a lot going on. But this psalm is going to be so beautiful. For David, like the psalm is actually written during a time where he's like, um, God, where are you? Is this like, is this it? Like I, you anointed me as king and then I was left. Like the man who, who put oil on my head walked away. And now I'm like serving the person. And it, I know that there's a lot going on. Um, But we're going to read today the fact that, like, worship determines a lot of things about us. And uh, I'm almost confident that no one in this room is in David's scenario, right? Uh, If so, that would be a little crazy. You get a a knock on your door, hey, President Biden is really struggling with a demon, and uh, we need you and your skills of musicianship to come and play for him. Uh, And the Lord has secretly told you already, hey, you are going to lead this people Uh, and you're like, this is strange. I'll go. Right? Like, that's just weird. None of us are there. But I do believe many of us have been called by name a child of God, saved, redeemed, yet still live in this awkward in-between of not stepping into that anointing and actually living differently. I believe many of us have been called a child of God, yet you're still in this in-between of wondering when things will fall into place that you feel like need to fall into place. 
you're stuck in this in-between of having to deal with this broken world and wondering, how do I lead when everything else seems to be going against it? Like, literally, how is David supposed to lead when Saul is the leader? Like, it doesn't make sense. I believe many of us, high school students, like those of you who are single, who are married, who are, who are empty nesters, like we're all in this place where the Lord has called us by name, yet things aren't as we wish them to be yet. We're in this in-between. And now in the presence of the world, let's be honest, this past week was really hard to be in the presence of the world. There's a lot going on. And we have a gift to bring worship into. So are we? Will we? What will we do? And it's in this awkwardness that the Psalm 19 was written. Like, I love it. Like, it's going to be so good. It's this king who's enlisted him to play, and now he has to do it. Now he has to do it. So I want to just dive into this because, honestly, like, it's through developing a true heart of worship It is through developing that true heart of worship that we can actually step into our calling. Or maybe you want to say our anointing. And uh, I don't know if we actually have a true heart of worship at times. I think we have a true heart of just wanting more things. We have a consumer heart. (laughs) I think many times we have a bitter heart. I think many times we have uh, an angry heart. But a true heart of worship is what gives us this, this obedience, this desire, this uh, confidence to step into our calling. And so I, that's what I want to learn. So we're going to open up right now to Psalm 19, okay? And we're just diving straight in. And I promise, like, I got uh, three points for us in this. It'll make sense. And then we're going to call it a day. Sound good? We're going to read the whole thing. I'm not stopping, so you, you got you to be with me in this. Psalm 19 is a beautiful one. I won't sing it, though, okay? Um, I will not do that. But Psalm 19 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands, and day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge of the Lord. But there's no speech, and there's no words. There's no voice that is heard, and their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterance to the end of the world. David writes, in them, he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. It's risen, it's rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring to the soul, David writes. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Those judgments are more desirable than gold, it says. Yes, much more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant, David, right, is warned. In keeping them is my great reward. For who can discern his errors? Equip me, 
of hidden faults. And then he ends it, also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. I will, then I will be blameless and I will be acquitted of great transgressions. And so let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing, acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, <laughs> that was a lot. But there is this beautiful three parts to it. You start with the glory of the Lord and everything. Then it goes to the beauty of his word. And then it goes to David's response in light of that. Now, I need you to understand, like, worship determines a lot for us. And I fully believe that David deciding to write this is what enabled him to constantly have the heart that was after God. You know when scripture says like uh, David is a man after God's own heart? You know that says that? I don't think it's because God just um, said I love him more than the rest of them. I think it's because in every situation, David said I must worship God in this. I must. You want to know? He's not just a man after God's own heart because God loved him. But he's a man after God's own heart because in everything, he was running after God's heart. And like, I think that if we began to connect what was going on in our life to songs for the Lord, I think that would shape us more than you would ever ever realize. Because one thing I know is that worship determines a lot of things. So I have three statements for you. Worship determines things. We're going to connect them to uh, Samuel. We're going to connect them to the psalm, and then we're going to end it. Sound good? So this first one, you see it, worship determines our witness, period. Worship determines our witness, like how we are seen by the world. What you worship is what you promote with your life. It's what your attitude speaks. What you worship is what your attitude speaks. Like, let's be honest. Sometimes our attitude speaks that we worship our time. Sometimes our attitude speaks that we worship our phones, Sometimes the attitude, our attitude speaks that we're worshiping our plans, but our worship determines our witness, and that's really scary. <laughs> but it's interesting, though, because when um, Samuel was looking for a king, you remember the story, Samuel's looking for a king, he's thinking of the outward appearance that a king should have. Now, I'm going to remind you of what Samuel saw when he saw David verbatim, this is what it speaks. It says, he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And and Samuel was told, hey, don't look at the outward appearance, all right? Don't judge a man by his outward appearance. But what I know is he then was anointed and David was left to worship the Lord. Something happens, though, because meanwhile occurs And Saul starts experiencing some demons, and his servants say, hey, there's a guy in the fields. Notice they didn't describe his witness as being ruddy, beautiful, and handsome. In fact, like what it says, if you want to put that up, these, these people are seeing his witness, and they're like, I've seen the son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, and he's skillful at playing. He's a man of valor. Now, this is not post uh, the tall guy, you know, David and Goliath. 
This is before David ever battled Goliath. But these guys are like, he's a man of valor. He is a warrior. This guy is prudent in speech. He's handsome. You see, we, we got that word translating. He's handsome, but the Lord is with him. Now, what I wanted to look at this, I've been fleshing out this idea for a while. <laughs> but uh, those of you who know married couples, have you ever noticed that like, as a married couple is married for a longer time, they seem to look like each other? Anyone? You, you, they seem to start looking like each other. Maybe it's not like, I obviously have a different like hair color, eye color, uh, even like skin uh, pigment color than my wife, but people see we walk similar now. Like we have the same mannerisms. We respond to things the same. Our faces have somehow shaped to be, you know, you, you see it, right? Like couples, you have a 50-year-old uh, marriage, that couple is walking in sync, right? They just somehow look alike. I've been thinking through this a long time. Uh, it's interesting because we are shaped by what we are intimate with. We are. We are shaped by what we are intimate with. And sadly, do you remember in health class when you would look at like the effects of meth, methamphetamines? And you'd start realizing that, like, physically we become shaped by what we are, we are dealing with. That's why we can't, there's a, an actual change that occurs when we are addicted to pornography. It shapes how we interact with people. That we are shaped by what we are intimate with. That, that is why, like, uh, I fully believe that, like, you, you know you walk in on someone and they they're just seem very angry and you're like, ooh, I'm just, your, your spidey sense is tingling. They're shaped by what they're intimate with. I mean, when I was, a, uh, when I, my son, he's now eight, when he was a little guy, we knew when to leave the park because Jack would look at me and say, there's a shadow man over there. And he'd be pointing at someone playing on like the park like just a guy and we're like we're out we're just gonna stay away he would say there's a shadow man i'd look and i'd see like yeah that guy doesn't look very safe we're gonna go because we're shaped by what we're intimate with right and sometimes when we're intimate with the world we start looking like it I mean, I think uh, Paul would later go to say, like, hey, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Like, because when you are intimate with something, you'll be shaped by it. But in the same way, David, little boy David, ruddy, beautiful eyes, handsome, he's in the fields worshiping the Lord. He is shaped by what he's intimate with who he's intimate with, so that when onlookers see him, they see man of valor. That's weird. That doesn't make sense. They see warrior. Why? Because he is now shaped to the image of the one that he is intimate with. I, like, some of you are so hungry. I remember this when I was in high school, so I'll just look over. Some of you are so hungry to be seen as enough beautiful, strong. Some of you are so hungry to be seen as valid, enough, beautiful, strong. And so you're investing a whole lot of time in things. You want to be shaped by beauty? Go to the Lord, who is in all glory, the most beautiful. 
if you want to be shaped by strength, go to the king who is the most strongest. He's right. He, I don't even know if that's the word. The most strongest person being. And I, I can say this because one of my insecurities have always been, and the lovely high schoolers called it out this week. It was fun. Uh, I was telling them that I was married and they were like, how old are you? And I said, I'm 30. And, the, and one said, you look 19. And I said, cool. I used to be insecure about that. But when we moved into the city, when we moved into the city and I got to know my neighbors, they all thought I was in my 40s. And I'm like, do I look like an old man? Like it was when I literally, when I told them, like Kate was like, one guy told me I looked 50. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'll take older, but that's older. Like, that's way older. Like, I will, one day, I want, one day, sorry, Miss Betty. <laughs> hey, listen, one day I want to look 50, but let's be honest, I look 19. But the fact is, you all know it, when someone steps into their authority of the Lord, age goes out of the window because you see valor. You see confidence. You see beauty. When, when people are worshiping, no matter what they, the world would think it sounds like, for some reason the Lord is just like, this is delightful to my ears. Because when we are intimate with him, we're shaped by him. And now, honestly, I think many of the times we lack the intimacy with him and we wonder why we keep going back to the old things. It's because you still desire it because you haven't been shaped by his desires. You still desire it. You see, the other way around, like the world will shape us if we let them. Social media will shape us if we let it. But my father calls me strong. My father calls me able. And so I will be shaped by that. And it's beautiful. You know, like Paul actually says, not just the whole conform, don't be conformed by the, the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he continues, that will be your spiritual act of what? Worship. You want to talk about true worship? You want to talk about true worship? When we stop being conformed to everything and sit in the presence of our Father and just say, like, you, Jesus, you. And how did he do that? He literally transformed his mind. Scripture said this, like, it, I really, I read it in, in Psalm uh, 19. He said, hey, God, the heavens are telling of your glory. The expanse is all declaring you. Like, I will be shaped by that. I will have my perspective changed. In fact, if you want to know this, like, true worship, it doesn't only determine your witness. It also, that number two, it determines your perspective what perspective you operate with, what perspective you, you, you live in. And honestly, like when we're in a season of in-betweens, when we're like, God, what are you doing? Where are you at? The worst thing that you can do is stop your worship. When you're in a season of wondering, like, where are you, God? The worst thing you can do is stop your worship. When you're in a season of, of the in-between of, of saying, God, I thought you promised that and it hasn't happened. The worst thing we can do is stop our worship. When you're like, God, I've been praying for my home life to change and it just has not. The worst thing we can do is stop our worship. Because worship will determine our perspective. 
And so David sings what he chooses to see. It's really beautiful. He sings what he chooses to see. Like, I, God, the heavens are declaring your glory. When that sun goes up and down, it is a canvas of your heat like this. You're everywhere. Nothing can escape the heat of that sun. Nothing can escape your presence. And he's just choosing to change and sing about what he sees, and it's beautiful. Now, Psalm 19 has a perspective change, though, because then he's ushered into uh, Saul's courts. And when you're in a place where the world is being fed a lot of lies, can we just talk about how real that is? Uh, Your job, the world is feeding a lot of lies to the people who are there. When you're in a place surrounded by people who are believing a lot of lies, there's a lot of things that are being told to them. And David chooses, I'm in the presence of Saul. Scripture says that that demon, the evil spirit, was tormenting. David says, I get that he's tormenting you, but all of creation is telling of God. So I'm going to sing what the creation is telling. Like this, this is a correct perspective. Some of you would be like, I would run through the heights if I saw a man being tormented by a demonic force, right? Like some of you would be like, I'm out, I'm out. But a perspective shift is you might be tormented, but all of heaven is telling declaring the glory of my God. You might be hearing that, but my God's words bring a lot. My God's words bring a lot. In fact, if you want to put up this, uh, that, that slide 19, the, the psalm continues, and it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. You want to talk about a perspective change. Why do we start? Why do we start, I wrote this down and I just really need to say it. Why do we start conversations with non-believers who could rip off our heads if they knew our political belief? Because we have a perspective change and we're going to love them anyways. The issue is not the issue. We see something different. How could David be in the presence of Saul where if Saul actually knew the authority that David had, Saul would want to kill him? Because that would steal Saul's place. Because he had a perspective change. He knew my God is greater. How could David care for someone? Like, regardless of what's going on, like, I I really want to sit in. Some of you have had a hard time this week, a lot of us, with all the things going on in our political world. Like, really put yourself in the position, whether whatever you believe or feel, if President Biden had a demonic force, would you play for him so that he finds relief? There's a perspective change because Saul wanted David dead later. Saul is literally standing in the place of what David thought God's will was. Now you could say whatever you want, but literally David plays for this man to have relief because worship changes our perspective. The issue isn't the issue. The issue is the heart. Not all the acts, but this heart that's being tormented. So I will show up. I will play. I will praise. Because while they're believing those lies, the all of heaven is telling the truth. My God is here, real, powerful, and alive. And so he, he keeps going, right? <laughs> he says the law of the Lord is perfect. It's restoring to the soul. 
Saul might be experiencing the uh, dilapidation of the soul, but like, my God speaks life. Like, I, the testimony of the Lord is sure, David says, this is a perspective change. We might be confused about what God is doing with us, but we can stand confidently in what he's doing himself. Like, I might be unsure about what my testimony will be like, but I am sure in the testimony of the Lord. I am sure of it. It will make the simple wise. He has brought wisdom to me. And so David just keeps going, and this is a perspective change, right? The decrees of the Lord are right, so I will rejoice in them, right? The commandments of the Lord are pure. There is no enlightening of the eyes without them. Like, we have to constantly do this. There's no reason for us to stand in arguments when people do not have eyes that are open. They fight. Have you, ever, have you ever seen, other than Daredevil, can you imagine a blind person fighting? We fight differently than the blind. We speak differently than the blind. There's a perspective change because we worship the Lord. There's a perspective change because we operate differently. There's a perspective change. And the fear of the Lord is clean. I think we need a perspective change daily. Like how we should deal with people should be determined by the worship of the Lord. How we speak our beliefs and what beliefs we have should be determined by the worship of the Lord. And every single bit of that starts transforming our perspective. It starts transforming our beliefs. And the last thing that worship determines, uh, some of you won't like this, the last thing that worship determines, if you want to put it up, worship determines our sanctification. It really does. Worship determines. And maybe you're thinking, no, God determines my sanctification. Y- yes, he's the one who does it. But isn't it correct? Uh, isn't it correct that Jesus says, um, come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and you will find rest. Isn't it like James who says, hey, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you? Like, isn't it like Jesus also who says, like, you have not because you ask not? Some of, like, it's not showing up to church that's going to change your attitude. It's you saying, Jesus, I need you to change my attitude. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to worship you that does the sanctification. Does this make sense? Like, that's one of the worst things uh, of what our churches in America look like. It's because we have a whole lot of people thinking a Sunday will change our lives. But our worship, Monday through Saturday, is all about a different life. Because we're not worshiping Him. We're worshiping our plan, our desires, our wants. We're worshiping our, our, our spouses, We're worshiping our jobs. We're worshiping our image. And all of that will determine your sanctification process. Whether you are being changed into his image or constantly held in the bondage that he's already broken. Right? Like you're constantly held in the bondage that he's already broken. Paul says, hey, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, it is correct that like the power of God is what changes us. It is correct that the blood of Jesus is what heals me, but there's also this beautiful relationship with me and the Lord now, where now he says, hey, I need you to worship me because it's all about me, 
and it's less about you. So as you come to me, things will start stripping off. Old ways. But if you stay there, Greg, I'm a good father. I'm not going to give you what you think you want because I'm what you need. So draw near to me, worship me, right? That's what the father says. And all of that will be gone. And it's just really beautiful, but it's also telling. Because this is when the believers stand and the non-believers just conform, right? Because a believer, believer is seen as righteous, holy, blameless, a man of valor, strong. And it's because their perspective has been changed, their hearts have been changed, and the Lord has now shaped us. It's so rudimentary yet so true. Like, I am a man who has been changed by worshiping the Lord. Like, it's just that. Like, those of you, like, uh, transformation, I, I wrote this down. Like, if you have a bad attitude, change the temperature of the room and turn on some music. Worship the Lord. If you have a bad day, if you've responded poorly, it sounds so rudimentary. But it's when we turn the moment into a praise that things start falling off. And, like, time and time again, like, I have different desires. I am a new man uh, because of worship. God has silenced lies and shame in my life because of worship. When I was a high schooler, I got brought into actually leading worship on stage. That time of that, that, that season wrecked me because the Father was like, you cannot speak these words if you're not going to believe them. And as I was like reorganizing my beliefs, he brought so much freedom. Why? Worship. Worship determines our sanctification. It determines our perspective. And it changes our witness. And this is why David ends in the song the way that he did. If we put this up, this is the way it ended, right? Like, Father, you are great. He talks about his, the glory. He says, now your words are amazing, and I'm, my perspective is being changed by them. And then it ends in this way, like, where I am is not where I want to be, God. Keep your servant from presumptuous sins, which means arrogant sins. Some of you need to pray that daily. I know I do. Keep your servant, Father. Change my perspective. I want to look like you. Keep me from desiring to be better than other people. Let that not rule over me. Like, then I will be blameless, and I will be acquitted of great transgression. Like, let my words be good for you. Let it be pleasing. Let my heart be pleasing. And this is the good tell. Because at the end of the day, what you look like on a Sunday has nothing to do with what your heart looks like. Right? Like, I want our church to be people who are worshipers of the Lord. So a genuine heart of worship is one that says, like, Father, I own my perspective is wrong. Will you, will you redeem it? Father, I own that I don't see you like I should. Will you change it? Because some of you have tried to get strength in other ways, and it's not it. Some of you have tried to build your name in many ways, and it just has failed some of you have tried to start businesses and it's just failed because it's on your own and it's not through him. It's not by his strength and you're trying to be enough in the world's eyes. But the father says, come to me and you'll look like me. And whether you think so or not, beauty's in my hands. Whether you look so or not, believe so or not, strength is in my, enough is in my hands. 
So we got to worship. So I'm just going to pray right now, and then you have the opportunity to do so. We're going to take communion. We're going to worship. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.